You're listening to the Truth and Boots podcast. Join me as we search the Bible for truth about our God, for hope to encourage us through hard trials and struggles, and for answers for anyone who questions our faith. The truth of God's Word is not fragile, impractical, and only used on special occasions like a pair of stiletto heels. God's Word, like a pair of sturdy boots, is meant to be put to work daily and is designed to protect us and help us through the mud, streams, and rocks of life. Last week on the podcast, we started a series in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, this is a multi-part series, and so far we've just established the setting of the book. Now, just to recap for you, this book is basically Moses' final sermon, his last words before his death. And it's what is so important to him that he wants to make sure the children of Israel remember. Now, the first couple chapters, what we've already looked at, Moses goes through and talks about how God brought them out of Egypt, but that they refused to enter the promised land. So as a penalty, God made them wander the wilderness for 40 years. Now, finally, the 40 years are over. And they have already conquered everything on the east side of the Jordan. They've defeated the king of Sihon. They've defeated the king of Og. And King Og, uh, king of Bashan. Um, And there's 60 cities at least that they've conquered throughout the eastern part, east of the the River Jordan. Um, But Moses... Even though they've had success, he can't go with them. Joshua's going to take over. Um, and Moses is going to die without entering the promised land because of something he's done. So as his final sermon, his last words, Moses basically gives his thesis in chapter 4, verse 1. And now, Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Now, this thesis is five parts. First, Moses says to listen. What should they listen to? The, the rules, the commandments God's given them. Third, he gives a motivation that you may actually live and inhabit the promised land. Um, fourth, who should they listen to? Well, the God of their fathers, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, and Joseph. And they should listen so that God can give them the land. Okay, today we're just going to cover that first one, listen. Now, Strong's Concordance, and let me take a pause here. I don't know Hebrew, I don't know Greek, but I can read Strong Concordance. Um, So this word listen in Strong's Concordance says that the word has an implication of hearing to understand. So think the New Testament verse, be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. I mean, you've all heard sermons on that verse, that you're not supposed to just let things go in one ear and out the other, that you're actually supposed to take what you hear to heart and um, apply it and live it. So that's what word Moses is using here. And to help us understand that a bit more, Um, I'm going to use another word he uses a lot in Deuteronomy, remember. He uses listen and remember quite a bit throughout the book. Um, So for for our purposes, I'm going to use the word remember to substitute for listen. 
Now, I find it really interesting that the most important thing Moses wants everyone to remember is to remember. Um, and it's interesting because everything he tells them in this book, it's not something that they learn through the textbook or learn secondhand through the parents. This is things that they've learned firsthand. Now, everyone knows you remember firsthand experiences so much better. I mean, I guess if I'm talking to the millennial generation, you remember where you were at 9-11. You remember seeing it on the TV. But when we're talking about walking on the moon or the Kennedy, assass the Kennedy assassination or Watergate or the fall of the Berlin Wall, that's all textbook for us. We don't remember it as well. It's just a fact that we know. It doesn't mean as much to us. Um, so it's, it's that kind of thing. It's not, you know, oh, the Holocaust did exist or World War II happened. Um as a fact from history. No, it's something we've witnessed firsthand. So it 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 impacts us more. 9-11 impacts us more. So that's what's going on with these people. Now you're like, wait a second. An entire generation died off in the wilderness. Yes, but those are the warriors. Um, it's very possible 30 and up those are the warrior class, or maybe even if they were 20 and survived. I'm not sure exactly where God cuts it off. Um, there's different stipulations on who's going to be part of the warriors. Um, if they were in temple service, they couldn't be in temple service until they were 30. But even if they were 16 when they came out of Egypt and they traveled to um, Sinai, 16 years old, you can remember quite a bit. I mean, 9-11, I was, I want to say 10? No, 9-11, let me do the math. I was <laughs> 13. I was 13. <laughs> wow, that's a lot older than I thought it was. Okay, anyways, so 13, I remember it very well. Um... And a 16-year-old coming out of Egypt would remember a lot better. Now, also think if you were the 16-year-old male firstborn when you were still in Egypt, the Passover meant so much to you. The Passover lamb was there killed so you could survive. Those are the people we're talking about. The 10-year-old who was scared out of his wits because the angel of death was coming to kill him. But dad put the blood on the mantle of around the door, from the doorposts, to save his this kid's life. So this kid saw all the plagues of Egypt. He saw the dividing of the Red Sea. He saw and heard... Um, Moses get the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, and then he heard God speaking to them from the mountain. He saw what happened when his parents disobeyed. He saw how God provided them in, for them in the wilderness. And then he was part of the conquering army for the 60 cities on the east side of the Jordan. This 10-year-old kid, this 16-year-old kid, if they were not part of the adult warrior class yet, that is who Moses is speaking to here.
Now, yes, there's younger kids that wouldn't remember, but I would bet you that a significant portion of the adult population had a firsthand account of everything Moses is reminding them about. So the fact that Moses is so intent on making sure these adults are now remembering something that was firsthand such an impact for them. I mean, if you were the kid that almost got killed by the angel of death, I think you'd remember it pretty well. But Moses knows that these people can so easily forget, can so easily forget everything God's done for them. So that is why he is basically speaking this entire sermon and writing this entire book. Because even if it's a firsthand account of God saving your life, you can still forget it. We're human. So Moses wants to ensure that they take these words to heart. Um, Chapter four, four, verse nine, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. Unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 1 says, And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. 6, verse 3, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that it may multiply greatly. You can keep going throughout the entire book and seeing Moses say, be careful, be so careful that you take these things closely to heart. Now, Moses is concerned that they're going to forget. Um, and you see him use that those that phrase often, lest you forget. Um, like one example is chapter four, verse 23. Take care, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God. Okay, so I said we're all human. Now, even if you know something mentally, like even if you remember that something was told you, we're talking about the other set, not the firsthand account, but the other set of the adults that don't know all of this firsthand. They've been told it, but does it really impact them as much? Um, Think of a teenager, you know, a mom and dad are warning them about don't do this, don't do that. And the teenager's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, I also think of Charlotte drivers. So I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we get um, thunderstorms in the summer. Now, I'm from the Pacific Northwest. So when I lived out there, Um, We would get rain, I don't know, September-ish, probably more like October, through April, May, depending on the year. And it would be a drizzle for the most part. Um, It wouldn't really rain heavily. So a heavy mist or a light rain um, is basically what you need to think about. It's not, it's not something that would get you wet quickly or soaked quickly. So when I saw these movies from Hollywood that, you know, there's this moment from this man and woman and they're out in the rain having a, a, an intense romantic moment 
and, and you can just feel all the tension in the movie. I always laughed at those scenes, how they got soaked in five seconds and, and, and you know, the, the clothes are sticking to them. And sometimes if they're wearing white, you know, you, you can see a bit more of the muscles in the arms or whatever. I laughed at that because I'm like, that is total Hollywood. There is no way anyone in the world could get wet that fast unless they're at a tropical tsunami around the equator. Well, then I moved to the South. Um, and in the summer thunderstorms here, it's like you step out of your car and you can get soaked to the bone in three seconds. I'm not kidding you. Um, I've seen it. I've been in it. And when you're driving in it, it's even worse. It's like someone's got a... A high-powered hose shooting straight at your windshield, you can't see a thing. Um, even if you slow down and turn your windshield wipers on high, you can sometimes barely see 10 feet ahead of you. And even then, the lines in the road are washed, uh, are invisible, basically, because of all the rain and the pooling of the water on the road. Okay, so... When you're driving on the interstate and a summer thunderstorm hits and everything just starts dumping on you, occasionally you see these signs over the interstate, the neon signs, you know, that advise you of traffic and everything. Occasionally you see those going, warning thunderstorm and or rain, increase following distance and slow down. Um, well, a lot of times... When there's a thunderstorm, your first instinct when you get on the road is, oh no, it's going to take me twice, three times as long to get home. And it's not because you're driving slower. I mean, if you obey those flashing lights and flashing neon signs and increase your following distance and slow down, I mean, it may add five, 10 minutes to a, a 30 minute trip. But it's all those other crazies out there that don't follow those signs. They don't increase their following distance. They don't slow down and they wreck. And then suddenly you're sitting on the interstate in pouring down rain and the traffic's frozen. You're not going anywhere. It's especially bad at night. Um, and it always amazes me as people fly by me in a southern, southern thunderstorm why are they not heeding these warnings? I mean, it's 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 a no-brainer. There's three inches of water on the road, literally. And you're just going to be hydroplaning all over the place unless you're more cautious. But these drivers are like these teenagers. They're like the, the Israelites here. It's just, yeah, yeah, I know, but that doesn't apply to me. Or I know it factually, I should slow down, but it doesn't really impact me as much because so far I've been able to do this speed and driving style just fine and not get into any trouble. So I'm just going to keep doing it. Well, that's what Moses is trying to combat. The in one ear, out the other. It doesn't really matter to me. It's I've gotten to buy, buy so fine without it. So you've got the people who haven't really taken it to heart and those that have taken it to heart but we're all human I mean we so easily forget 
Okay, so Moses knows that unless everything is dear to them and that they intentionally listen, um, they're going to forget. In chapter 6, this is this famous passage here. Chapter 6, verses 4 through 12. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. You're supposed to love God with all your being, not just know the facts. It's supposed to be your heart too, but it's not just your heart and it's not just your mind. It's your your strength, your might, your soul. Everything about you is supposed to love God because it's only when you have total commitment to him that you have a better chance of not forgetting everything God's done for you. Um, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, Moses says. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign in your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Okay, Listen to these the the passion behind Moses here. He knows that unless they're intentional, unless they're active about remembering, they will forget. He says, these um, words shall be on your heart. You shall teach them to your children. Talk of them. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you're out about. Um, when you're lying down, when you get up, I mean, they're supposed to be constantly in front of you. You shall um, strive to remember them so much that you're going to even basically bind them as a sign on your hand. Put them in your hand. They're frontlets between your eyes. I want them constantly in front of you. Put them on your door so you see them 10 million times a day every time you go in and out of your house. This is supposed to be such an important part of your life that you need to do everything possible to remember what God's done for you. Because once you get fat and sassy, Moses says, you've gotten this land. You haven't had to wait 30 years for this vineyard to be very mature and giving you tons of good grapes or these olive trees to suddenly have plentiful crops. No, you didn't plant them from seedlings. God gave you everything already mature and ready for the taking. But when you get fat and sassy, when you eat and are full, take care lest you forget who gave you all of that, who brought you out of slavery. Don't become slaves to to something new, something else. Serve your God. Otherwise, you will be miserable and you will forget. Um, It has to be intentional. It has to be active. Okay, so Moses puts in place measures to keep the children of Israel from forgetting. It is so important to him. He gives this final sermon detailing everything again and again how they're supposed to remember, what they're supposed to remember, who they're supposed to remember. 
why they're supposed to remember. Um, and then he writes the book so that they can remember. Um, also, in chapter 17, verses 18 through 20, there's guidelines on their future king. Now, yes, God makes provision for the king that they're going to have someday. He's he's saying, yes, you can make a king for yourself once you're in Israel. Now, when the Israelites wanted a king, they wanted it for the wrong reasons, and that's why they got in trouble. But God said from the beginning, yes, you can have a king. But when you have a king, I want him to himself write out his own book of the law. He's going to spend painstaking amount of time to copy out his own accurate book of the law. Away from the the many pressing needs of state as a king, he's going to be insanely busy. But it's so important that your leader knows my commandments, my rules, and remembers everything that I want him to write out his own copy. And then once he has his own copy, I want him to study it every single day. So that's what Moses says is God's commandment in chapter 17, verses 18 through 20. And then at the end of the book, God commands Moses to write a song, basically summarizing everything in the book. And then the children of Israel are supposed to memorize that. Um, And chapter 32 The song is full of God's character. It says, The rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and right is he. And it keeps going on showing the character of God. Um, And then also summarizes what God's done for them. He brought them out of slavery, out of Egypt. He gave them the good promised land. And then it goes a bit further. It tells the children of Israel that they will forget their God, that they will um, forsake the God who made them and go to other gods, abominations. They provoke him with anger, a sacrifice to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. And then God doesn't leave them with despair that they will forget and go off and serve other gods. Now, in this chapter here, in this song, in chapter 32, God promises them redemption, promises them salvation, and promises that he will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants, and he will rescue them. So Moses sings this in front of the congregation at the end. And then he tells them, you're supposed to memorize this. Okay, so he's got this book for them. He commands that their king writes his own book and studies it every day. He has this song for them to remember because we all remember stuff more easily when we sing it. Um, At least I do. And then finally, in chapter 31, verses 9 through 13, there's yet one more commandment. So if it's not enough to already have all these other provisions for them to reference, I mean, you've got a song, you've got a book, and it's there for you to look at. But it it goes a step further. Um, It's commanded that this entire book of Deuteronomy be read every seven years at the Feast of Booths, the entire Israelite assembly. There's three migration feasts, Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths. 
So that's when all of Israel is supposed to show up at Jerusalem for this big holy feast. And at the Feast of Booths, there is a commandment that this entire book of Deuteronomy is read to all of Israel every seven years. So it is so, so important that the people of Israel remember this, that they're intentional about remembering it, that they put take it to heart that it's not just in one ear, out the other. And it's not just their heart, it's their belief and their soul and, and all their strength and mind. Every part of them is supposed to remember their God, what he's done for them, what he's commanding them. That is what Moses is so intent on passing off as his last words. Remember your God. So next week, we'll take a uh, look at the next section, next couple sections, next couple parts of Moses' thesis. And I invite you to come back. Thank you.